Joining us today, we have Stephen. Say hello to us. And again. Hello, everybody, again. And Dina. Hello, everyone. And Daniel. Hello, everybody. All right. And Moses. Hello, everyone. Moses. And Gillian. Hi, everyone. So, thank you for joining us. Um, so, let's start with Stephen. How old were you? in 1965 was that a rude question no i was old enough <laughs> so were you living in hackney no i was living in the village of shoreditch okay yeah. thanks for it's clarifying shoreditch. that yeah. <laughs> so what was shoreditch like in shoreditch was a very rich borough very rich and when we got mugged by hackney all of our money came over to pay off some of the interest on the debts they had and they've still got a lot of debts but um 65 in Hoxton was uh, sharp suits, like just left school, so it'd be sharp suits or brush denim Levi's with hush puppies, you know, any kind of music really. Um, so were you quite fashion conscious at that I think, point? Well, the Oxton mob, Oxton, we had a thing called the Oxton Calf Society, let's call it that, and uh, you can still look them up, it's the Hoxton Calf Project. Oh, lovely, thank you. And that was a... Uh, that was set up for the unclubbables. But basically what it was, it was some people with sensible shoes come down to, I say, look at us, you know, because we're the East End and they wanted to see us and see us grow, you know, did all that. But we had a cafe in Oxton and basically we ran it and it was okay. But, uh, so and Hoxton, Hoxton, Hoxton was still a tight-knit community. You knew everybody and you related to half of them. So, um, Gillian, were you aware of this Hoxton this, these people in Hoxton in their jeans and their sharp suits? No, because I was far more sheltered being a girl growing up in those days and uh, I don't, I'm, I'm wondering where Stephen's or Stephen's family got money to buy all these fabulous clothes because we were restricted to our school uniform and then something nice to wear on Sunday. So I feel that I, I'm having a sheltered life compared to this cafe groove that's going on. Well, my mum was a hard worker. Um, my dad worked nights and stuff like that. And you, you made, you know, you did think, make and mend, weren't it? It weren't like today, like, if a kid get a puncher in a bike in his tyre, he wants a new bike, you had to fix it, yeah? And I don't think anyone was that rich, but there was something nice about it being sort of, being brought up in a nice clean area. And Oxton was very clean. It was, well, Shoreditch was. You know, streets were washed every day or every night. And it just went when Hackney took us over, you know. Was your cafe and club all boys? Oh, no. Go on, tell us more. No. <laughs> no. Everyone's got sisters or cousins, so, yeah. It was pretty good. But I think the 60s was mainly, um, you could go out, you, you had to buy the Hackney Gazette. There was a crime page, so you'd find out who's been nicked. But more, more or less, um, you just get it to find out if there's any work around. And 
you could go to one job in the morning. If you didn't like it, you'd leave it at the time, go and get another one in the afternoon. And, you know, that was it, really. And that's where you got your money. So. Yes, that's something I've been hearing a lot, is how easy it was to find work in comparison to now. Um, so, Dina... Um, that's something that we talked about last time um, we met. That you know, in 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 the sixties, people just went out and found a job, and it was really easy. And and now, as a kind of a young person needing to work, it's a lot more complicated. Is is that something that you're experiencing? No, personally, I think it's not hard to find a job. It's you need to have your mind fixed to what job you want to do. Personally, I started working at 16 years old because at 14, I said to myself, I'm going to start working at 16 because I'm going to chase my dreams and I'm going to go for exactly what I wanted to do. So I was working in Shoreditch Trust as a trainee administrator. So personally, from my experience, I don't think it's hard to find a job. If you know someone who is working as something you want to become in the future, go ahead and speak to the person and say, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to work as in the future, and why can't I take the opportunity and become the person that I want to be? So, yes, Stephen. And again, we had lots of small industries, lots of warehouses, lots of manual jobs, and I say in Shoreditch, you really you were trained to be labourers or wanted strong boy to work in warehouse, must have four GCEs, and oh yeah, you know, and that was a bit soul destroying. And the girls at uh, Haggerston, or the Quandle Crumpets, whatever you're going to call them, they were trained to be sort of... No, that's what they called the themselves. The what? <laughs> what? No, the Quandle Girls School. They called themselves Quandle Crumpets. But anyway. <laughs> no, but they were trained up to do office work and stuff like that. But mainly it was um, physical labour jobs and boring jobs that were on offer to, i say, most Oxton kids. I think the ambition for most kids was to be a window cleaner, be a cab driver, marvellous, get a job in the post office or work in one of the major markets like Smithfield or Spitalfields. Other than that, you get into the print and there was always someone who knew someone who knew someone who could get you into one of these things. And if you didn't get into any of them, then, you know, you're a labourer basically or a warehouseman. I can pick up every things, that sort of stuff. Oh, it sounds like um, in your time, Stephen, your time, that uh, there was a kind of a crowd thing where you followed each other. And I wondered if Dina, with her attitude of go and get, I wonder if that's amongst your friends as well, or do you think you're individual there? Um, can you, if you can expand on that point even more. Yeah, I'm just saying that you, you said, I'm going to chase my dream and I'm going to do it whichever way I can. Is that common amongst your peer group, about with your friends at school, for example? Or do you feel you're an outward-pushing person? Whereas Stephen sounds like it's a, a group thing that, yeah, this is what we're going to do after school because that's all preordained for us. That's what we're going to do anyway. There's no striking out by yourself. Um, personally, I think I was brought up in a good home, so I've been able to learn from my brothers and the people around me. So the people that used to be around me, they never used to strive like I do now. So they were more, they're more negative on their points. They say, oh, because um, like, it's common for you guys. People, you guys say, oh, they're stealing our jobs. They're stealing our jobs. <laughs> so it's not they're stealing your jobs. You have to be able to get up in the morning. Even if you can't find a job, you have to go look for the job. And that's what I've been brought up to do. Whether I'm young, I'm 17, and I'm still capable of getting up and saying, okay, I'm going to get this job. And I'm going to do what I'm capable of doing because no one can stop me. So that's what 
I was brought up to do so. Thanks, um, Daniel, what was your experience? Of well, I, I, I came here in 1960, yeah. about a couple of months before the Beatles came up. <laughs> uh, Cliff Richard was already singing there at that time. And uh, there were trolley buses going, and every time the wire came, came out at the back, the electric wire, the conductor had to come out and adjust it inside, then the bus could go. From Stamford Hill to Oldgate, it was only sixpence. Uh, it was very cheap. I, I got five pounds a week uh, uh, wages at that time. And it was enough because the rent was only one, one pound fifty at that time. It was very cheap. And I'll say one thing, the snow that time was terrible. It was yeah. so high. It was full of snow. It was, it, it, it was the coldest. The winter was terrible then. But now the winter, you, you don't see any snow. Maybe if it snows, uh, next day it's dry. It's gone. But that time the snow was terrible. And uh, I worked, you know, in uh, all different jobs, driver and uh, in a factory and different things. And uh, I, I felt uh, England was very good. But then, of course, I had to go to Denmark because a girl got pregnant, so I had to go there. And I married. <laughs> so okay. I was here. I was here till sixty-five. Sixty-five, I left, and then I came back. Of course, divorce took place, and I came back. When you when you came back, did the trolley buses disappear? Or yes, they? they all disappeared. Yeah. Uh, they took out the the railway lines. I mean, the, the tram line. There were trams running. They took the trams out. All those electric electric buses out. Everything out, and everything was changed. When you so said the rent was £1.50, is it possible if you can expand on this point, please? <laughs> it was very cheap because the wages were only £4, £5 a week, for a week. And uh, that money was enough. Things so were very cheap. It was very nice. People were outstandingly kind and nice. Now there's murders. Everybody's holding a knife. In school, they're killing the teachers. What's going on? You know, I mean, we can't believe it. it the things... I've never happened at that time like this. So you, you think it's more violent now? More violent now, yeah. The youngsters yeah. are killing not only the, each other, but killing the teachers as well. <laughs> uh, we never heard of this. Uh, in our days when we were taught not to look up to an uh, elderly person and, and, and talk back to him, over now the, the youngsters are dominating on the on the elders, mm. and uh, and they can't control them. Times have changed. It's my blood is boiling. <laughs> God. Because, in my opinion, that's not true. It's you have. To, I don't even know what to say. I need you here. Well, <laughs> they they have killed many teachers, and you're saying it's not true. Well, it is true, but I will say that. In the 60s, I did live on an estate, but it wasn't in Hackney. Mm -hmm. And we had murders, we had bodies in suitcases, mm -hmm. we had thievery, all the boys, it was boys yeah. of my age group, yeah. not all. Many ended up in prison. It was known as one of the roughest estates. So everything was there, what you were talking about, what you're saying is there now, and I mm -hmm. think Dina wanted to express this, that it's always been there, it's just that now we seem to know mm -hmm. more about it. Maybe that's what's happened. Although yeah. I don't dispute that maybe it was peaceful then more than it is today, yeah. but I, I don't know. Yeah, that's what I wanted to say. It's not only happening now, it used to happen before. 
Yeah. But it's even mm. worse. It's worse now. Now than how it was before. So it's not just young people. It's the adults that are looking at young people as violent and lazy. But it's because the, politi- the political side are not looking down on young people. For example, people are complaining today about the voting. How Labour never won and Conservatives are winning. Why? Because you guys never stood up to vote. You guys never... People say that when you vote, it's, your opinion is not heard. Your opinion is heard. A little piece of paper can change like the world. And I think, personally, young people are not bad. It's just because what's happening today is making young people turn to, young, to adults because of the situations that's happening now. So do you think in the 60s, those who are young in the 60s, um, young people were more political? than they are now well I can well I can remember being in the back of a police wagon for putting up uh, posters so and a few of our mates you know if we saw something we didn't like in the Oxton cafe you had sort of um, the students come down and they were sort of politically motivated and they'd be on about something and we had a game if if they put up something like um, the war in Vietnam yeah We'd get a bunch of posters each, and we'd say, well, look, we get five points if we can stick it on the back of a police car, five if we can get it on a police station, six on the back of a cab, and we went up like that. And I got caught in London Wall, so never mind. You know, I, got, I just got a slap and slung out the station. Yeah, but, I mean, the 60s was a time of real political change worldwide, so yeah. I just wonder what well, your experiences were. Well, what Dina said, you know, we didn't, we didn't have the drugs turning everybody no. on and off. Yeah, uh, and you had more of an opinion, you know, because they weren't so much sitting indoors watching soapy television. But what you got now is people who've got pizza. The Romans knew about it, but bread and circuses. Give them bread and circuses and keep them happy. Now they've got fast food, which they can eat on the bus with their dirty <laughs> fingers, uh, and watch EastEnders, which uh, is totally obscure, you know. Well, I'd like to just add into that that during the 60s, there were many paperbacks being published, so people's views were coming out. So teenagers were getting used to um, reading books and learning stuff. So, and then there, there was a whole movement going on of people getting a bit fed up with what, the way things were. But on top of that, then as a girl in a big family, I was told by my father not to ever discuss politics or religion. So I was really hampered. Just that I went to a good school where the teachers did encourage debate and etc. Um, yeah, so I, I think we were political, but we hadn't come to the surface. It was certainly bubbling, and then it bubbled over in 1968 with the European um, students rebelling and everything happening in London and Vietnam War, etc. So we, we were political, but it wasn't, it wasn't televised, and it wasn't talked about on Twitter and Facebook, so it's just amongst our own communities, if we like. Um, okay, let's move on to um, another topic. What about fun? What did you do for fun? in those days. Daniel. There were a lot of women at my time. And I uh, had a good time. Right. Every week, <laughs> every three weeks, another girl. <laughs> As Dina would I had, say, expand had, on that. <laughs> I had so my share. I had my share. I've taken someone else's share too. Oh. I was very busy with them. It was very easy, very nice. They were all very obliging. So was I. <laughs> Moses, say something. It's your turn. Yeah, Moses, have you got anything to um, add? Not me. Uh, In those days, the work was very easy to get. I was changing works every day. Every week, a different work. I was a pleater. I was uh, making bicycles. 
I was doing minicabs, and there was so much life to live over there in those days. It was so happy days. I loved every minute of it. And all the Beatles and the flower power shows, that all the flower things that was going on in the parties everywhere around the country. And uh, the discotheques every day I was going to. I had dating every day, seven days a week sometimes. Yeah. I used to go on the buses taking all my girlfriends everywhere. And going in the park. Time was very nice then. Do you the still do this now? Much more. Well, now, now it's very hard to say. I still enjoy my life up to today. I love every minute of it. And I still want to meet people, go around, making friends, you going see, out. In Hackney uh, today. Going to clubs, still going on, <laughs> still going for, still got the power to go ahead. So, so that's quite interesting. Um, you, you both seem to have experience where meeting girls is really easy. It was very like, nice. Very nice. Um, I mean, I hear complaints all the time from young people saying it's so hard to meet someone. No, you know, they have to go online. So how, how, did, no. how, how did you now, do it? Now it's hard. You've got to go online and everything. But so why was it so easy in those days? I don't know. I mean, you just talk to somebody and take them home. <laughs> it was very easy, very nice. People were more kinder, more more obliging they were very nice people this was obliging everybody was very nice <laughs> there was a sexual revolution of course it was the 60s yeah. and the pill the became 60s, yeah. available for women so there was, was a kind very of nice. freedom going on and abortion was available as well with the consent of two doctors so there was very much a, a freer atmosphere than our parents had can can i just ask a quick question with what we're talking about here one of the things I think with what you were saying, like I'm quite interested. You're talking about how free it was. How um, easy it, it sounds like quite a strange question, but how big did your world feel? Did you feel part of um, just quite like a local community, or did you feel part of the bigger world? Well, from Oxford, yeah, I think we were sort of quite tight knit. Um, if anything was going on, it was like, you know, take sandwiches. You know, you going down the town, take sandwiches. But, uh, you know, it's too far. It's, um, yeah, we'd have, what we do, we'd make go-karts and uh, we'd go on adventures. And I had a favourite cafe down by the um, Upper Thames Street. For sixpence, you got the biggest cheese roll and the biggest cup of tea you could imagine. And it was worth getting there, you know what I mean? You've got a tanner, let's go down there, you know. So, but um, I think Glenn Thompson, when he, I say, closed the Oxen Cafe and we started the Centerprise, he took us down to see Hare. Now, I'd never been to a theatre before, but Hare, it's a good start, yeah? And that was good fun. And to go and see different exhibitions. You know, I saw the Bauhaus, which I'd say is one of the best exhibitions, and the Art of Islam, the World of Islam at the Haywood. And that just changed my life. You know, I thought, I've got to get out and do stuff like that. And, you know, British Film Institute. And I've been doing it ever since. So, just, just I do a thing now. I take people for walks around London and I just show them that there's more to just getting up, going to the betting office or the cafe or the pub and going home. Go, it's the same thing every day. You know, if you can show someone something else to do and they can do it on their own, you know, they can go and do it on their own. Brilliant. And then the next time you take them, take them somewhere else. And then I use a site called Ian Visits. If you Google him up, yeah. You can Google up any day and you get lots of free stuff. And I love that word, free. And like with Gillian, she's got a group of... Um, <coughs> sorry. <coughs> More tea, Vicar. <coughs> no tea yet. Oh, no. All right. But, um, it's okay. It's okay. Yes, up your streets. Well, we'll up, make yeah. sure that people do get out and <coughs> about. I'm getting it there. And 
go into all these things that you talk about. Yeah. I will go back to my um, time, and maybe Danny and Moses will join in there. That the question was asking us whether we felt part of a global um, freedom, if you like. No, because we were concentrated around. A, for myself, we were in our own neighbourhoods. We didn't travel out anywhere else. The travelling did cost money, whether it was sixpence or not. So it had to come from mum's purse. So we very much knew our own community, and there wasn't so much going out anyway. Boys and girls maybe only went out once a week, so it wasn't that kind of outside world. We were very enclosed, and even today there's a song that reminds me of that kind of childhood where don't go chasing waterfalls, keep to the rivers and lakes you know. I mean, it's, it's dangerous out there, keep to the people that you know, know the people. Feel safe walking at night in your own neighbourhood, because you, you can knock on the door, you know that woman who lives there. Did yeah. you find this? Yeah, it was very safe. Yeah. How comes everyone who's speaking here, your days are different from... Um, yours and hers is good and his is bad. Well, there's a, there's a gender difference for a start and uh, an area difference. I wasn't brought up in Hoxton, Shoreditch, Shoreditch well, the village of Shoreditch, bad. and no, I don't bad. know. I was saying bad, good, bad, but, good. But, you know, everyone has different experiences mm. and grows up in a different way. So, I mean, yeah, if I, you hear I, I da Dan Daniel's I'm experience compared to Gillian's, it's planets apart. So. I more or less grew up in Stoke Newington. You know, live behind the police station, so mm. I'm very used to this area. Mm. It's because I'm the only teenager, so my mind's blown. <laughs> yes, our, our stories are long and involved. We're so much older than you. We've got a massive experience, and to you know, to suddenly have to remember it is quite difficult. And um, so, what about? So we we talked a bit about this global idea. So it it seems to me that community and neighbourhood was very important in those days, and you kind of knew your neighbours and you knew your community. Yeah. So, how, why has that changed, do you think? Why is neighbourhood less important, or is it? Well, if you've got good neighbours, stay where you are. Say that. It takes a long time to get good neighbours. But are they neighbours? You know, just someone you know. So do you know your neighbours now? I know a few of them, yeah. But with the transient community, like buying houses and selling houses, they're just in and out, in and out, in and out. So... So is it because people stayed in one place for a long time and they had time to get to know their neighbours and the yeah. families around yes. them? Yes. Well, yes, and the generations continued. Yeah. It often were the case that um, the children moved into the same area as their parents and then their children stayed in the same area too. Yeah, well it's that, very like that. That worked up until old Wilson's government and then just changed, everything changed. Yeah. If you had a young girl and she does fall pregnant and she's single, they wouldn't let her live in the same street or get a flat round the corner from where her mum lived and her brothers and sisters. No, she had to move out of the borough to one of these high-rise places that no one wanted. And you can imagine being a young mum on the top of a block of flats and you can't even let your kid out to play because you don't know where, you know, you're just lost. And it's just aggravating. Mm. They didn't keep the families together as such. Again, when they got rid of all the pubs, the pub was the hub of the community. If you wanted a van or needed someone to fix your roof, you ask it your local, know anyone who does this? Yeah, you find someone. You can't do that now. Well, I, do, I do say that where I'm, as I'm now, where I'm now, um, I'm having the experience of having very good neighbours. I don't know their names, but I know from activity that goes on the street, for example, the police were there for a murder about two weeks ago. People came out, you could feel that we were all supporting each other. So I, I do feel that I, I, haven't, I, can, I can have the joy of neighbours. It is there. It's just not exposed when all uh, uh, arms folded over the garden fence having a natter it's not like that life is 
two vastly different in, in terms of pace. But, oh, yeah. yeah, sorry. Jill, you're talking about Naz. I can remember going down Oxton and you see your mum talking to all her mates on the corner having a fag. And, or you'd be doing the same somewhere. But you had points in the area where you'd meet people you'd know and you'd stop and have a, have a chat. You know, and you can't do that now. Do you it's miss too, that? Well, I still do it, you know. <laughs> I have a lot to say. <laughs> oh, you, you can stop and say hello to people. So well, I do. That's what I just said. Oh, okay, okay. I thought you meant um, before. Um, no, I don't know. So, D- no. Dina, how about... Um, so, do you know your neighbours? You, is there a, a hub where everyone can just kind of meet yeah. up? So, uh, tell us a bit. How, the park. how does it work? The, the park. park. Okay, so... Yeah. Um, is it just young people? Is it intergenerational? How everyone. Everyone meets in the park. Because when I first moved into, um, well, I've been born and raised in Hackney, so I was taught to make friends with a lot of people. So I guess having having a good neighbour, having good neighbours is good and safe as well. Because if something was to happen to you, they'll know. Oh, do you know that girl called Dina with the that short girl? And they'll be like, Oh yeah, how does she look like? You know, they'll, they'll be able to know you, and it's really, I think it's really good to have a good relationship with your neighbours. Yes, yeah, it's, it's really important yeah, for I mean, your we'll safety, as, mostly yeah, as well. We strive to do that. Yeah. We're just wanting people to be approachable. Mm-hmm. But this thing about, um, you know, people chatting over the garden fence, didn't you feel, Gillian, for example, that people were kind of in your business all the time? No, not at all, not at all. There was no business to be in. Like Seem was saying, most people were doing the same jobs or look at or having the same dreams. And aspirations. We were all in the same poverty boat. There was nothing to pinch in the house. There was nothing for anyone to know about. It was, we were all on the level and the chat would just be passing the time. It would be about your own family and children. There was nothing ever threatening. We're speaking over the garden fence. Yeah. You, did you say? Then I can say a joke about that. Oh, please do. <laughs> there was this big garden on both sides and both the housewives used to come out and talk. And one was hanging her clothes out and all that while the husbands went to work. Suddenly one wife tells the, tells the other lady, neighbor, what's all this uh, big shed making over here? Your husband is making such a big shed. Why does he need that? So the wife says, well, he's not only making a shed, but he's going to bring a cow there. The, the other lady says, what, a cow? Why does he need a cow? This lady says, because he doesn't trust me with the milkman. So he's bringing a cow there. So I don't discuss anything with the milkman. Hey, your jokes are better than mine. <laughs> yeah. okay. I, I can, I can say many more, but I mean, uh, let, let's I don't say, want to... Let's s- save the next one for a little we'll later. save for next time because I, um, I can spend a whole day saying jokes. There's another thing that um, often people bring up when they talk about the olden days and uh, London in the 60s is the freedom that kids had. So um, this idea that kids could just roam around and get a Rover bus pass and go from bus to bus all over the city. And kids can't do that these days. So what what was your experience of that? Yeah, well, you had your bike or you made that bike. That was good because you could go to Whips Cross or Highgate, you know, and do dangerous things like hang on the back of a lorry and get a lift all the way up there. All right. Uh, (laughs) What? What are you laughing at? Yeah, well, I'm funny, lad. <laughs> no. But you should do that anyway. No. But if you didn't, uh, then, uh, yeah, you'd have the Red Rover. But, make, as I said, you'd go on adventures. 
you know, oh, let's go there, you know, you'll cut off down there. But the thing is, if you're just around the flats or around the estate, you get all the kids, and maybe 20, 30, 40 kids all playing the one game. Like British Bulldog or Runouts or football, something mad, you know, making bows and arrows, anything, catapults, have, you know, air gun wars, stuff like that. One of our favourites was to go down Oxford Market, getting all the spuds and onions and that that had been left, and then we'd have a war. You know, sort of just love them each other, and that was good fun. It was it's really like it, that, you could walk it, around. It was fun. You could, you, know. you could be sent out to the and shops. And if you got it on the Edward site, you didn't moan, you went, well, he swore at him, threw That's right, he sorted it out. Yeah. He sorted it out then. And, and there's a, there's a, sorry, there's an <coughs> advert on television at the moment, a co-op advert, where the two children go out on their bikes, their mother say, don't be long. They go out on their bikes, they're riding through on their bikes, they're going to the shop by themselves. What century is that? That's not now. Mm. When I look at the advert, that, that's so 1950s. Mm. You know, it's just weird that they picked up on that. So, Dina, were you, are you allowed to kind of go out and do what you want? Did you, did you have that freedom when you were a child? Or, or are you hearing these stories and thinking, oh my God? No, I was well known for that. <laughs> <laughs> I was a bit silly when I was young, so I used to go everywhere where I wanted to, so... But not as silly you never as. Go out of it, yeah. What? <laughs> I think I've made a new friend today. Because he's telling me about his, his stuff that he's been through back in these days. But I personally never used to do silly things <laughs> like that. But I used to be around local estates, but not doing things like this. So, this kind of um, idea of lots of kids playing together. Um, I think people find that a bit threatening these days. If you see a lot of kids all together playing, mm. it's like, ooh, we, that's a bit dangerous. How, how, did, how was it then? Since I was a kid, since everyone's been a kid, even today, I say idols are, idle hands make the devil's work. And you've got these kids that there's no boys' clubs, there's no real clubs you can go to, no, no sort of nowhere. There's nowhere for them. They've got to sit on the street corners. Mm-hmm. Now, I've got kids around my who sit on street corners, and... Admittedly, yeah, they could look threatening, but they're the nicest people going. You know, once hello, how's your mummy? And they're just nice kids. But to anyone else, oh, look at that mob over there, you know, all these, ain't they? You know. Yeah. And mm-hmm. if you want to feel threatened, feel threatened. If you want to be part of the community, join in. Yeah. I agree. So, what's yeah. the secret? Just to kind of talk, open up, yeah. talk to people. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Um. Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you. Um, no, I just. Um, do you want to tell us another joke? No. I don't no, mind. I'll, I'll I'm tell you another joking. one. <laughs> tell us about the threat. It was. Uh, no, I, mean, I, I just wondered. Um, Harold Shipman. Harold Shipman killed over 100 and some women, you know, murdering them and putting the houses under his name or whatever. Other nurses also killed people, you know. Um, some elderly women and all that. Mm. So um, my neighbor, you know, was uh, she had um, maybe cancer, maybe some sickness and all. She didn't want to go to the doctor. So I told her, why didn't you go to the doctor? You got to have a checkup. She says, doctor, oh no. Why do you think they wear gloves? Because there are no fingerprints. Why do you think they have a mask? Because you don't know which doctor killed him. And I don't want to be one of them, I'll tell you that. Is so she doesn't joke? go to the doctor. Is this, is this, that's I, th- I think it's a joke. Oh, yes. you, you t- <laughs> no, she doesn't yeah. go to the doctor. Did you know that Robert De Niro was going to make a film about him? Yeah, they were going to call it The Old Deer Hunter. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's getting better and better. Um, <laughs> I think it's time for a little musical break. 
Um, and so, uh, Stephen, this one's for you. Oh, introduce Newton at least. Come on. No, he's going to oh. play in a second. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll just have a quick. Don't tell me he's going to play Swan. Swan. Welcome back to Parallel Radio, and we are talking about 1965, celebrating 50 years of Hackney being what it is today. So, Gillian, um, I think you've got a few questions that you'd like to ask Daniel and Moses. Yes, I'm going to go in with a big punch here. And um, obviously, as my friends, I know a little bit about you, and I've got to know you quite well. And I was looking at you telling your stories now and wondering... How was it really like for you when you arrived in the UK? Just be, oh, 1960, you said, Daniel. 60, yeah. What was it like? In what August. What was the atmosphere 60. like? You know, you're obviously landing into a pudding that's already there and you're coming as outsiders. What did you feel? Tell us, what was your daily life like at work? Were you accepted, for example? Oh, in my work, I was not accepted, no. I was very afraid to go to work sometimes. 
you know, people always making me like be afraid there because uh, I was the only one who was colored there, you see. And uh, walking in the street, there was in those days mocks and rockers, and they were really running after me. I was really scared of them because they see something with the black hair, they run after you and they scare you. And they, oh, see who's coming, Indian party, something like that. And I was really afraid. They were always staying home in the evenings, afraid to go venture sometime outside, you see, and always staying with my parents. So it's very hard to get out in those days. Where was your network of friends? that could support you? Was it at work or was it your parents in the house? Oh, only the parents. My, my friends were not there because uh, in those days I was the only one in this country. Very hard to get friends and being <coughs> with people like, you know. So it was very frightening in those days to be with yeah. someone. Yeah, that's a side of the story that we don't often hear. So it, it's interesting to know what it, you know what it was really like coming from somewhere else into a predominantly white uh, country. Culture. Yeah, and culture. culture, and then having yes. to adapt and, exactly. and you know well, work your way into that. So yeah. it's interesting to hear, you know, yeah. what that. I, was like. I I got a job straight away in a, in a factory with uh, wine labeling and all that, you know, bottles, and I was very happy. And people were nice with me, and my evenings were very busy. Yes, so we had. I was very very busy. I, I I hardly had time to come and shave at home because. I, I had to meet a girl outside every time. My, my father and mother was there and they yeah. were always telling me, what, the, what are you, some kind of an actor or something, what are you running around? So uh, do you think it was like exotic appeal? Very nice. I was, I was overjoyed to be here in England. Of course, I came from Israel. From, I was a tank driver there. And uh, I had a hard life there, I must admit that. But uh, once I came here, I felt everything was so easy, nice and all, except from the cold. It was very cold. Daniel, did you and come here to stay? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. My parents lived here, in it, since 1958. I came in 60. So they were living here in Stamford Hill. And they had a, uh, their own house. So it's interesting to note that um, Moses' parents and my parents would likely be around the same generation and the same age. It would be my parents that would be making you feel uncomfortable because that was the Asian, the way it they was. were. Yes, it was. In those days. <laughs> <laughs> I try to apologise, but I don't see why I should. Yeah. Moses, do you, um, I'm interested how, when you were first asked the beginning at the beginning, you, you immediately said that you had a great time and it was really fun. Was that just... Uh, that was afterwards because in 1966, that was the year 1960. In those days, it was very frightening to stay or go to work as well. So when did that change? Change at uh, 65, 66. After that, I got used to everything and got used to know how they wanted to be with them, you say. So do you think you changed or society changed? No, I think I have to change for them. And it was me who had to change. So, so you adapted, basically? I adapted to that, yes. So can you tell us what you did to adapt? Well, I just went uh, with them, means like I just followed, the, just followed what the people did and I had to agree with them every time and go and just play with them really and just get, just get to know him more instead of running away from them. I actually faced them, although I was being hit sometimes, but I didn't care about it. So then afterwards I was just like joined them and they accepted it. And after that, uh, I was so happy being with them, so 
my street was being very happy playing with them again. And recently then I bought a car. And about when I bought a new car, I had six, seven people, all foreigners, sitting in my car, taking them for the ride. It was so joyful. So I became more friendly with everyone. Those, those days the cars only were 200 pounds. <laughs> Not like now. Now it's worth 6,000, 5,000, over thousands. Those are, those are 250 pounds you can buy a nice car, Vauxhall or... Uh, so a car brought you friends? Well, I bought a new car. And the, the cars did the whole thing for me. All the girlfriends came closer, the boyfriends, everything. Everything becomes like a rosy thing everywhere. Wait, first and the rent was 150 and now the cars are 200 I'm expecting another price now. No, the car was 800 pounds. I paid 200 deposit. That was a brand new Corsair. Wow. Yeah. Corsair, brand new, but I used cars 200 pounds. Nice condition with MOT, everything. Uh, many different uh, models of cars you can get. Cheap, very cheap. Um, Gillian, so when you were growing up and different kinds of, different people were moving into your area, were moving into the UK, society was changing, Hackney was changing. How was it for you? Well, what I remember about those days was that there was so much segregation in that, for example, black people had moved in from the West Indies, they stayed in one place, they, they weren't in the, even in the same road. And then Indian people were seen, seen as very exotic and never saw them in my neighbourhood at all. So we, it was a known fact that people were moving in, but there was no um, cross-mixing going on at all. It was very much we're still keeping to our own neighbourhoods, not knowing, we couldn't tell the future, we never knew what things would pan out like. Um, Newton, I'm going to bring you in on this because you were running a, a club during that time and, you know, playing predominantly music that was more appreciated by black people, I imagine. Um, when did it start getting mixed? When, when did the club kind of start attracting a mixed crowd? Well, um, a year after starting and what happened there was that Desmond Decker came into being and he went to number one in the British charts. We were fortunate enough to have him live on stage and of course that brought a mixture of culture and that night was particularly phenomenal in the sense that it was very well attended. So the mix started near enough um, very soon after I opened. And of course, music is a very magnetic um, sort of thing in the sense that it attracts people of all different race and denomination. And nobody can intricately explain why, but it, it, it just seems to reach out and pull people of all different walks of life and different nationalities. So I was lucky in that sense. You, were, you. were you there when the trolley buses were running on the road? Yes. <laughs> because you didn't believe it, right? He's saying it. Trolley buses, the wires come out, it's to come out. The whole bus stops, it wouldn't go. When they put the wires in, it's to go again. And sixpence from Stamford Hill to Oldgate. When now it's over. I, I just want to come back to something Newton was saying. Do, do any of you remember... Um, Desmond Decker coming definitely. into the charts? Oh, yes, D of definitely. Yes. So, what, 
what was that um what was that like just kind of suddenly this this guy comes from Jamaica with this number one hit no it was all, all around the discos we used to play the music with all the friends every week we used to go there every time we used to sing same song dance to it go wild everything I'm a, fr- I'm a fan of James Brown and that is what I call music but of course he passed away and Ray Charles I got photos with him with Ray Charles yeah many photos with, with Ray Charles um, this, it's the end of the first part of this uh, show. So, does anyone want to say anything before we wrap up? Is there any conclusion? I mean, it's, I, I don't want to go into the thing of, oh, things were much better then and, you know, yeah. worse today. I think we've seen quite a balanced view that some things yeah. were better, some things are better now. Yes, yes life was cheaper, but cheaper. I think maybe the standard of living has raised a little bit now. Yeah. So, yeah, the, very high. It, it's a, there's a, a balance there. So we're going to go to a bit of music with Newton's going to play us some reggae, I think. And uh, we'll be back later. Okay. Now keep my fingers crossed How could you not know There is no love like your love And none I can think of Give me a chance to prove my day Listen to my voice and know I'm serious Cause my heart is 